How's everybody doing? Good. A little wet out there today? Not bad? No? Okay. All right. Good. Well, uh, I too just want to say, I know Rob and Emily have said this, but if you're a guest here with us, we do want to say just a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here and I really pray that you have an incredible morning where you encounter the Spirit of God. And so, so thanks for joining us here today. Before I jump in, I want to celebrate something that happened here at our church uh, last weekend. We had a life group connection event, and it was a time where if you came to church last weekend and you weren't in a life group, you could have very quickly gone upstairs in the upper lobby after the services, and you could have uh, joined a group. And I just wanted to, to celebrate with you. You know, we talk a lot about life groups here because we really believe that what happens in the context of those relationships is so important. And so we really, we really try to stress those. It's one of our three priorities, uh, being in a life group. And just wanted to celebrate this with you. Last Sunday alone, 113 people joined a life group. Isn't that awesome? I mean, let's thank God for that. That's great. Yep. Some people were even brand new to the church, said, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to figure that out, we're going to join a, a group. Others just got involved for the first time. I want to say, just, though, a huge thanks to, to Becky and to Kim, all the volunteers, all the life group leaders, everybody um, that, that really helps make that happen. Um, and we really do. We thank God for what he's, for what he's doing. And, um, and, and want you to know, too, if you miss that opportunity, if you're going, ah, yeah, I was going to and kind of decided not to. We, our next group link event will be on March 22nd and 23rd. So that'll be the next time that you'll have an opportunity to get plugged into a life group. So I just want to make you aware of that. Well, as Emily said, uh, today we're going to be in our fourth message in uh, this study through the New Testament book of Ephes or uh, Philippians. And uh, I've loved the first messages that Pastor Steve has given. And my prayer this morning is that, that God would continue to speak into us, that God would do something um, really profound in each one of us uh, today. And so before we begin, would you, um, would you pray with me? And let's just go to the Lord and let's just say, hey, Lord, here's where we're at. Maybe you came with a set of circumstances today you wish you could change. Or, or maybe you'd say, you know what, life's going great. Wherever we're at this morning, we'd, let's go to the Lord and let's say, Lord, speak. We come, we anticipate, and we long for you to do that. So, yeah, would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you and uh, I just thank you so much that you're the kind of God that you desire to interact with your, with your people. Um, you love us. I, I think of this Psalm 27, it says, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. And Lord, that's our prayer right now. We just want to say, Lord, you are good. And so what do we do? We say, I will seek you. And so maybe even just in your own heart right now, maybe just say, Lord, I give you whatever I brought in today. And I just say in these moments, Lord, I seek your face. And Lord, I'm open to you. So maybe have a prayer like that with the Lord. Lord, I seek your face today, and I'm open to whatever you would have for me. Go ahead and just do that on your own. Lord, I don't know what you have for us today individually, but we just pray and we trust you because we know that you're good. We know that you're in our lives. We know that you're alive and well. And so we pray that the Spirit of God would now move in, in, our, in our midst. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in our text for this morning, we're going to see a, a very personal side of the Apostle Paul. I, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I think of the Apostle Paul, I, I think of someone who's very strong. I think of someone who had a vision for what he wanted. I think of someone who was all on, someone who maybe you could even say was very independent, someone who was really going after it. He was willing to suffer. He was, he was passionate. He was white hot, that type of guy. When you think of the Apostle Paul, 
You might think of a guy that spiritually he's like in a, he's in a league of his own, right? Um, he's got things under control. You might say he's unshakable. I mean, come on, he's, he's the Apostle Paul, right? Yet in our text this morning, we're going to see a very human side of the Apostle Paul. We're going to see that he desperately needed support. Like each of us, he desperately needed some, some key relationships in his life. While Paul was white hot for Jesus Christ, Paul didn't live with this mindset that, you know what, I'm, I'm on fire for the Lord and, and it's just me and Jesus. And he didn't live kind of on an island spiritually alone. No, not at all. Not at all the case. Just like each of us, the Apostle Paul was very cognizant. He needed relationships. And here's what happened. God used some key relationships in his life in order to keep him going. People that would come alongside him and encourage him and, and help him stay focused. People that would help him accomplish this amazing work that God would have him to do. The work that now we stand back and go, wow, oh, thank you, God, for what you did through his life. Many of you, you could very quickly, couldn't you? You could name the people that God has brought into your life that you're grateful for. People that you'd say they've spurred you on. That, that, that there were times when you felt like, I've blown it. You know what, this time I've just sinned a little too, I've gone a little too far and I've blown it and, and I'm not worthy and God won't take me back. People that reminded you in that moment, no, no, you're forgiven Christ. No, no, it's not about what you do, it's about who, who's your God. And people that, that maybe spoke truth into your life. You got to a point where you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And someone came alongside of you who's grounded in the scriptures and said, you know what, I, I think this is what God's word might tell you to do. Or maybe this, maybe just someone who reminds you every once in a while, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm there for you. Um, just this morning, you know, I was walking out of my office and down, downstairs and I just checked my phone right before I came and, and there it was, a, a text from Steve. I'm praying for you. Spoke volumes to me in that moment. Encouragement. You've got those people in your life, don't you? After studying this passage this week, I, I'll tell you what, I, I sent sense a great sense of gratitude for the two guys that we're going to read about this morning. Because to say the least, these guys were an inspiration to Paul. I mean, we look at the life of the Apostle Paul and we see all that he did and we go, wow, oh man, and we think of Paul. But I think oftentimes we don't think that Paul was accompanied. There were people that, that were right alongside him. And this week I thought, Lord, thank you for these two guys. Thank you for Timothy. Thank you for Epaphroditus. Key relationships in his life. Imagine for a second what life would be like without meaningful relationships. And maybe for you, you'd say you moved to a new city at one point in your life and you got a taste of that or you went off to college or you had an incredibly lonely or difficult period in your life and, and you were reminded of the, the power of relationships. Think about this. If life were absent of meaningful relationships, how would it affect your life? How would it affect your level of joy? How, what would it do to your job if there were no meaningful relationships? Think about this, what would it do to your church? Well, what would your church be like? How would you be spiritually if you were completely absent of the power of relationships, meaningful relationships? Isn't it true? I mean, I think we'd all agree with this. The highest highs and the lowest lows, what are they usually connected to? It's relationships. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear someone say, boy, things are, things are going incredibly well. Or, or someone will say, man, I'm in a, a period of my life where things are, are really hard. And oftentimes the next thing they'll say is they'll unpack a relationship scenario for you. When I think of people in my life that I, I want to emulate spiritually, people whose walks with Christ are alive and well, I see in these people that there is a, a tie to powerful relationships. So when I think of the people that I try to model my faith after, what I notice about them is that they've got these relationships in their life, people that were spurring them on, that continue to, 
to spur them on. I could easily name those people for you. You could as well. As we look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 30 this morning, we're going to see some qualities in, in these two guys. And for us this morning, here's what they do. They, they stand as examples to us of, of, of the incredible value that relationships can have for us. I don't think it's really by any accident that the Apostle Paul, he's kind of going through this book of Philippians, and then I feel like he sort of takes a time out, honestly, for this section, and it's like he kind of goes a little bit of a different direction, and he, he speaks so highly of these two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. The Apostle Paul, here's what he's doing, just so you kind of understand the setup of this, this, this uh, part of the chapter. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to this church, and he's, he's saying, hey, this is an example this is how you do relationship. This is an example. These are two godly examples worth emulating. As I worked through this text this week, there were two statements, two statements that continue to come to my mind. These two statements, they highlight for us the, the, the power of meaningful relationships and how powerful they were to the Apostle Paul. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Let me give you just kind of an overview, a little roadmap. First, I want us to look at at those two key statements, those ones that really stuck out this week. And, and then what we're going to do is this. We're going to go back then. We're going to work through the entire passage, and we're going to look at what were the qualities of these guys. Because I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of my life, I want people to say of me, wow, he added value to my life. We all, we all desire that. And today we've got these examples in the scriptures of two guys. They added so much value to, to the apostle Paul's life. Let me give you the bottom line of, of where we're going, and, uh, and we'll unpack this as we go. Uh, but I want to just kind of get it out there for you. Here it is. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Seek to become who you long to have. Seek to become who you long to have. I'm going to make sure you're awake, so I want you to repeat that after me. Here we go. Seek to become who you long to have. The first statement that I want to take us to is from verse 20. Chapter 2, and, and Paul is writing about this, this man, Timothy, and he's an example to us this morning. And, and this is the statement, one of the two statements that God just continued to bring back to my mind over and over this week. Here it is. Tim, or Paul says of Timothy, he says, get this, seven incredibly powerful words. He says, I have no one else like him. There was something unique about him. I mean, think about this. Paul had, he had probably hundreds of acquaintances, but this guy... To me, there was no one else like him. Do you have anybody in your life that maybe you'd say they fall into that category? There's no one else like her in my life. There's no one else like him. Imagine if someone said that of you. Our bottom line this morning is seek to become who you long to have. I don't think there's a person in this room that wouldn't wish to have someone in their life that added so much value to your life that at the end of your days you would say, I had no one else like him. I had no one else like her in my life. The second key statement that I think the Apostle Paul uh, gives us that really shows the magnitude of what these examples meant to him, it, it comes later on and he's talking about Epaphroditus and and, uh, and here's what he says of Epaphroditus, and know this, Epaphroditus at one point in this text, it becomes clear that he became ill. And Epaphroditus in his time with Paul, he became so ill that he almost died. And in light of that, Paul writes this, he says, indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
don't miss this. In Paul's mind, to lose Epaphroditus, it would have been so tragic to him. Sorrow upon sorrow it would have caused him. If you have someone in your life that you feel like, you know what, I have no one else like him. I have no one else like her. And you think to yourself, wow, if I lost them, you, you can feel the magnitude of that. And you know if you have that person, you know how blessed you are. We all want to have those people in our lives. I think we would agree with that. I remember in college, um, this is shortly after I came to know Christ, I, I remember hearing some, some counsel about how to, to find a, a godly wife. And I was all ears at that point. And I was told that, that many guys, when they try to, to find a, a, a godly wife, they, they go out and they, they know what they're looking for. They kind of have a shopping list and they spend all their time looking, right? Yes, no, yes, no. And they just kind of, you know, look at the playing field and that's just kind of how they operate. And he said, he said, you know what though? He said, most of those guys, what they don't do is this. He says, they don't take any time to think about the kind of guy that that ideal woman would actually want to marry, Right? So his instruction was this. He said, you need to be the type of person that you want to have. So this morning, the the bottom line is we consider these qualities now as we're going to unpack the qualities of Timothy and the the qualities of of Epaphroditus. What do we do? We seek to become who we long to have because we would all love to have a a Timothy in our life, an Epaphroditus in our life. A very logical question I think that comes from this text is, what was it about these guys? I mean, what was it about these guys that that caused the Apostle Paul to be, in a sense, dependent on them, surely immensely blessed by them. What qualities mark their lives that now we can look at years later and go, I need to emulate that. I can go after that. One thing's for sure, don't miss this. In looking at their lives, we're going to see a clear picture of what it means to live out the gospel. Maybe you're new in Christ here today. Maybe you're new to Brookside and you're just going, what does it mean to walk with Jesus Christ We're going to see a clear example of what that means in the context of relationship this morning. So if you haven't already turned there, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. We'll put these screens up on the, or the verses up on the screens as well. In the first five verses of this section, we learn about Timothy. In the last six verses, we're going to learn about Epaphroditus. So what was it about Timothy? What were those qualities that that made the readers in Philippi the, the, the Paul was saying, hey, I don't want you to miss this, readers. I, I don't want you to miss this. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Now, we know some things about Timothy, so I just want to kind of hit the pause button from other passages. We, we know quite a bit, actually, about Timothy. Timothy's mother, we know that she was Jewish, but his father was very likely an unbeliever. Now, you may be able to relate to that this morning. You would say, yeah, I have got one parent, or maybe you have both parents. You'd say, boy, they they don't even like me pursuing the things of God. Or maybe you're a a single mom, and you're you're really trying to to, to lead your children, your child spiritually. You can relate to that. And in this context, the Apostle Paul, what he had become is, is kind of like a spiritual surrogate parent to Timothy. He kind of came alongside him. You'll see that he referred to him as his his son often. And he's kind of raising him up. I can think of examples in our church where this happens all the time. A godly man, a godly woman takes the position of a spiritual parent in the life of someone who doesn't have it. It's awesome. Timothy also, we know this, he had a grandmother that no doubt she was a huge influence in his life. In another letter, 2 Timothy uh, Chapter 1, verse 5, Paul wrote this to Timothy. It's kind of a window into Timothy's life. 
He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in our, our grandmother Lois and, and in, in your mother Eunice, and, and I am persuaded now lives in you. And then later Paul writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. He says, but as for you, Timothy, continue, to, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from, get this, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Don't miss that. That's the background of this guy, Timothy. Side note, parents, grandparents, don't, don't, don't miss this. See this legacy of faith. It's instilled in Timothy, but when is it instilled? It's instilled in him at a very young age. It says at the, at the time of infancy, what was happening to Timothy? Someone was speaking the scriptures into his life. Someone was saying, this is the next generation. I'm gonna speak the scriptures into their life, happening in his home. Let's keep going. Look, look at verse 20. It says, I have, Apostle Paul, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Now the Philippians, they knew, they knew who Timothy was. Because Timothy, we read this in Acts 16, Timothy was with the Apostle Paul when they planted this church. And so they, they know who he is. Notice the first quality, though, that made Timothy so valuable to Paul and that made Paul say, you know what? I want you guys to see this as an example. It says that, that he had a genuine interest in them. He was, you could write this down, he was highly others-centered. Timothy, he cared about the needs of other people and it says that he had a genuine interest. It wasn't like he was the kind of guy, oh yeah, he half-heartedly kind of showed up and just did it to get it done. No, no, not, not at all. The original word there means to express a strong feeling for something or someone, often to the point of being burdened. You've heard maybe us say, maybe you have a holy discontent. You have something that it burdens you and it causes you to action. I was driving home on Friday night and I was thinking about this passage and, and I was thinking about how Timothy, it says he had this, these two words, he had a genuine interest in these people and I, I began to ask myself, well, what does that look like in our context? I mean, what does it mean to have a genuine interest? And, and I'll tell you what, it was nothing but like two seconds and I just started smiling because I began to think of person after person in our church and I could name names so quickly coming to mind of people who have a genuine interest. I thought of those that in our church that you so care for people that are far from God. You, you reach out. I thought of the hundreds and hundreds of, of volunteers. You, you serve our students. Why? You care about the next generation. You have a, a genuine interest to the point it causes you to have a burden for it. I thought of those involved with Crisis Pregnancy Center. I, I thought of Castellar Elementary School, the Open Door Mission. I, I think of those that teach. I think of those that lead life groups. Oh, just dozens and dozens of people. I thought of those that are championing the cause of, of adoption. Orphans are a burden to them. Know this, you hold this in common with, with Timothy. You have a genuine interest, a genuine interest Tell me this, wouldn't you love to have a Timothy in your life? Seek to become who you long to have. You can't miss this this morning. Timothy wanted to live for something greater. Uh, Timothy, he wasn't the kind of guy that he said, you know what, I just want to play it safe with life. I just want to put it in cruise control. Hey, I got a few things I want to tick off, I want a fence in the backyard, whatever it was. No, no, he, he wasn't that way. Instead, there was a burden that was beyond him, 
And it pushed him to action. He wasn't satisfied. What did it do? His burden, his genuine interest, it thrust him into meaningful service to other people. I love seeing that. We see that all the time here. Look at verse 21. Again, the Apostle Paul is giving the Philippians a grocery list of, of qualities that are worthy of honor. Qualities that for us today we go, we need to emulate that. Whoa, stop. Time out. I, I, I want to instill that in my life. Notice what it says in verse 21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Isn't it natural to do that? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm really good at that. I mean, I'm really good. If, if you ask me if I'm hungry, I can tell you like that. I mean, I know my own needs. It's, it's natural. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm bent that way. I, you are too, I would imagine. We think that way. It's, it's very natural, but he's saying, no, Timothy, he's not, he's not going that route. The commitment that he had to Jesus Christ, it overshadowed everything in his life. And as a result, other people were served. You get the sense for Timothy that it was like this. Jesus Christ, others, himself. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it was like Jesus Christ, he's the foundation. He's causing me to do all of these things. He's causing me to be this kind of person that is so meaningful to the Apostle Paul that he would say, no one else like him. I have no one else like him. Notice that's the foundation too. It, he's concerned about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's where it all begins. If you want to be a person that at the end of your day, you leave a legacy and relationships and people point to you as, wow, you added meaning to my life. Oh, friend, it's where it starts right there. It starts with Jesus Christ. I'll give verse 22. It says, uh, but you know that Timothy, he is, what has he done? He's proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has proved, or excuse me, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Notice that it says, what did Timothy do? It says that he proved himself. Well, you can imagine. I mean, the apostle Paul, he's in chains. I mean, things aren't easy for him. And so there, there have been trials that have come along, and, and Timothy's proved himself faithful. When, when life got tough, you know how it is. When life gets tough, I mean, when, you know, when the traffic jam is on, that's kind of when you really find out what's inside, at least I do, about myself. He's saying he's proved himself. When he faced trials, the strength of his character shined through. And then it says, as a, how did Timothy do it? He did it as a son with his father as he served with me, Paul says. The word served there, it actually means this. It means that Timothy he slaved. That's what it is. Kind of, whoa. It means this, he, he really labored with me. Now notice Paul isn't like lording it over Timothy. It's not like the Apostle Paul saying, he served me. He was with me. And he's younger. And he served me. No, not, not at all. And notice this, Timothy, it's like he, he says, it's like a son serving his father Notice this, Timothy respected Paul. He honored him. He followed his leading. I think there's a deep lesson here. I think God just kind of showed me this in the text this week. I think there's a deep lesson, deep lesson, particularly for the younger generation this morning. Notice this, Timothy was quite younger than Paul, but notice how Paul feels about Timothy's service. It wasn't as if Timothy said, I've got things all figured out. I'm the young buck around here. I, I know what I'm doing. I've got the corner market idea. 
No, he didn't have that kind of an attitude. No, Timothy, he, in humility, he served, it says, with Paul. He honored Paul. So much so that Paul didn't say that he served under me. No, no, no. He says, my son, what did he do? He served with me. Shoulder to shoulder. Too often, I think the younger generation, myself included, can have a sense of pride. Oh, we've got new information. Like things are all figured out. And so instead of coming alongside those with more experience, people can proudly move forward alone. You know what I'm talking about? You don't get that sense at all here that that's the case. Rather, Timothy, as a son serving his father, it says it's like in humility he served him. Notice this, and maybe this is a takeaway for you. If you have opportunity to serve anyone older than you, I think that would be all of us, don't miss this. Timothy honored Paul. It was easy, I would imagine, for Paul to invest in Timothy. And in doing so, what did Paul do? Paul demonstrated his own set of humility. Saying, you know what, I'm going to bring this young guy along. He's investing in the next generation. Paul could have, know this, Paul could have left this entire section out. This section really is, is like cheerleading to these two guys. It's what it is. He's building them up saying, that's an example worthy of following. He could have left it out and said, hey, just continue to follow me. And I've got this all figured out and I'm doing a great. No, he didn't do that. Instead, he said, these guys, oh, look what they're doing. Raised them up. For some of you, your application of this text will be this this morning. It will be to invest. You're, you're a Paul type. You can invest in a, in, a, in a Timothy type. You've got wisdom and experience. You can give that. Generation underneath you desperately needs it. I'm reading this book on uh, leadership. Uh, it's, by, uh, it's about John Wooden. Uh, John Wooden won 10 uh, NCAA basketball championships. He's looked at as maybe the, the greatest coach of all time. And in, in one of these interviews, uh, uh, Coach Wooden is he's getting asked, he's saying, the question is, what do you want to be remembered for, coach? And he says, well, I surely don't want to be remembered. This is after this long introduction about all of his accomplishments. He said, I surely don't want to be remembered for 10, 10 NCAA championships. He said, rather, I want to be remembered for the kind of, to be the kind of person that I gave more than I received. I love how we see Paul invest. Let me summarize this first section for you. You can see why Paul said of Timothy, I have no one else like him. Here's why. He's radically other-centered. Timothy was humble. Timothy was um, dependable. He was there. He was faithful. And know this, Timothy put Christ first. That was the foundation for everything worthy that Timothy did. He put Christ first. You might be inspired to be like this. Wouldn't it be nice to be a Timothy type? Wouldn't it be nice to have a Timothy type in your life? Someone who models these qualities? I mean, I think about that and I go, oh, Lord, would you bring Timothys around me? But then there's that thing, that, that question that comes into my mind, that statement, hey, Jeff, seek to be who you long to have. Let's, now let's do this. Let's look at the next set of verses, starting in verse 25. Let's look at this next guy, Epaphroditus, verse 25. Paul writes, but I think, it, I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, and then notice this trilogy here, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Notice those three ways that he refers to Epaphroditus right out of the chute. First he says, my brother. 
Now, this is like, this is, this is cool language. He's saying, I'm close with you. And it's not like he's saying, hey, bro, what's up? It's not that at all. No, this is like, you're family to me. This is heartfelt. Epaphroditus, who, he's my brother. He goes on, he says, my fellow worker, meaning we've, we've served side by side. We've been in the trenches together. Have you ever noticed this, how when you're, I mean, you can be around someone in a serving setting, and you don't even have to be there very long, but have you ever noticed how you have sort of a special connection with them? You help someone move, or you painted a house, or down an open-door mission for a couple of hours, and all of a sudden you feel like, he has something special because we, we serve together. Paul's saying he's my fellow worker. And then he says, he's my fellow soldier. Meaning, hey, I know this about Epaphroditus. I'm in chains. There's danger all over the place for me. But I know this about Epaphroditus. He's got my back, right? I remember in middle school, one day after, after school, walking home, and my brother and I had a, a pretty good distance to, to get home, and, and, and you know the story, uphill, snow, no shoes, the whole thing. Yeah, it was, that's how it was for us. And, and, um, and I remember one day we walked past the, the house of this other kid, and my brother was probably 25, 30 feet in front of me and just walking at his own pace, you know, without me. And, um, and I remember this guy, this kid in, in, in our school came out of his house, and he started walking towards me. And and I had a sort of a little sense of fear every time I walked by this guy's house because he's kind of the bully type. And, and I never knew what, what his deal was, you know. And so that particular day he comes walking out and, and all of a sudden as he's getting closer to me, and I'm seeing my brother walk further away from me. Um, I'm thinking, oh, I hope he just wants to talk about the weather, you know. But then I noticed and it was, it was though my brother just sensed it. I just saw my brother turn around, kind of do one of these, just waited. And just, just kind of stood there. And this guy noticed. And here's what my brother was doing in that moment. I mean, I wasn't good enough to walk with, but he was saying this. He was saying, I'm not going to let you get pounded. I got your back, right? Epaphroditus for Paul was this. He was a fellow soldier. No doubt that Paul knew spiritually, even physically, there was a battle. It was raging for them, as it is for you and I. And Epaphroditus was this guy that he could look to and say, he's got my back. He's there for me. He supports me. The battle's intense, but Epaphroditus, he's my fellow soldier. And then he says this, whom you, he's talking to this church in Philippi, whom, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Now here's the situation, so you kind of understand this. The church in Philippi, they know that things aren't good for the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's chained to a soldier, I mean, Things are not good at all. And so what do they do? The, the situation is this. They send Epaphroditus. They say, okay, who do we have? Who's one of our best guys? Who's the person that we could send that would be an encouragement to him? Who's got some courage? It's going to take that to go into this dangerous, dangerous setting. Who's got some faithfulness? They selected Epaphroditus. Look at verse 26. It says, for he, speaking of Epaphroditus, for he longs for all of you, speaking of the church in Philippi, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Here's the situation. The, 
The Philippians, they, they've heard that Epaphroditus is sick, that he's, that they've gotten word of that somehow. I mean, this is no cell phone, like, hey, no FaceTime, no none of that, right? They've heard that he's sick, and, and what has it done to them? It's caused them trouble. Our guy, we sent Epaphroditus, and now he's, he's sick, he's very sick, and what has it done? It's caused them anxiety. And so Epaphroditus, instead of going, Oh, it's good. I'm glad they know how rough it is not being in my own bed, you know, and I'm glad that they are worried about me. Instead of having that kind of a posture, Epaphroditus is troubled. And he's going, it's causing me distress that they're having distress about me. I'm worried that they're worried about me. It's amazing. So others-centered. Look at verse 29. Paul's instruction. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Notice it says he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. Steve gave us this great visual of this this cruise ship versus this battleship mentality. Think about that for a second. Epaphroditus, he was a guy that lived with a battleship mentality. What did he do? He almost, he, he almost died. He, he risked his life. He almost died for the work of Christ. He was willing to enter in. You ever have anybody in your life like that? That Man, they're, just, they're doing things for the Lord and you just go, I've, I mean, I've got some guys in my life like that. And I just go, thank you. You're pushing me. Thank you. You're entering in. You're, you're taking risks. You're, you're living in faith. I love that. And then Paul gives this instruction about these kind of guys, he says, honor men like him. And this is the command that we get from the text, honor men like him. And, and I would just encourage you, this is kind of a side application, but I would encourage you this week, as, as we've even kind of worked through this text, who would you say in your life that, man, that, that's an Epaphroditus to me. They encouraged me. They lift me up. They were the one that they mentored me early on, maybe. They were the one that kept me going. When I began to stray, they pulled me back. They spoke truth into my life. Do you know who those people are in your life? I would encourage you this week, even today, maybe even better, write them a note. Just think what the, the, the amount of grace that God could just, just pour out even on our own church through that. Write them a note. Give them a phone call. and Just say, hey, I, I just want to say thank you. Honor men like these, Paul says. I just want to say thanks. Thanks for what you did for me. Thanks for pushing me in that way. And then I think beyond that, I think for all of us, we look at their lives, and this is our application. We seek to become who we long to have. We, we look at Timothy. We look at Epaphroditus. And, and, and you might be able to identify the, the kind of, even the, the people in your life that you can be that for this morning. Imagine this for a second. I mean, Imagine if someone said of you, I have no one else like her. I have no one that she serves. I have no one else that, I'm, it's like I'm continuing on their mind. I have no one else that takes a genuine interest in my welfare. I have no one else like him. Imagine if someone said that. When I think about the people in my life that, that I would say that of, or the people that I would say, you know what, they're Paul types, they're Timothy types, they're Epaphroditus types. Here's what I know is true of all of them. It's that foundation that Timothy had. They're walking with Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this for a second. Timothy, we get this in that second Timothy chapter. From infancy, it says that, that the scriptures were a part of Timothy's life. And I mention that because I know many of you, you might need a word of encouragement this morning. 
You said, you know what, 2012, daily, I'm going to be the kind of person I get filled up by God so that I can pour out to other people. Stick with that. I want to encourage you in that this morning. People, Epaphroditus, Timothy types, what do they do? They seek God. The scriptures are a part of their life. Imagine this for a second. I mean, imagine what God could do through our church. Imagine what God could do in our city, in our families. Imagine what God could do if we would emulate these kind of, of qualities. If people said of you, if, if people said of me, I have no one else like him. I, I have no one else like her. Let's pray this morning. Let's ask God, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to seek to become the kind of people that we long to, to have? So, yeah, let's pray. Lord, this morning, um, that's our desire. We look at these two guys, and Lord, I thank you that the Apostle Paul put it, you put it on his heart to, to, to expand upon these guys and their lives. And I thank you for the window that we have into them. I, I thank you, Lord, that we can see that they were, they were passionate about you. That was their foundation. I, I thank you that they were radically other-centered. They were humble. But they, they were respectful. They honored those that they should. And so, Lord, this morning, we just pray, Lord, would you ignite something in each of us? Lord, would you help us to look around in our own circles even and go, yeah, I, I can do that for that person. Um, Lord, would you bring that to mind? Lord, I pray for maybe even the older generation here today that would say, you know, I don't think the younger generation that they really care that I have anything to offer. Oh, Lord, would you remind them this morning they have so much to offer. And so, Lord, would you lay it on our hearts to apply this message, Lord, however it looks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together and, and let's worship.